morning. It's good to see everybody today. Uh, as, as Pam said at the beginning, uh, we're, we're sort of the remnant here this morning. There's, there's a lot of talk in, in the Old Testament about the remnant of Israel, and, and so we're kind of the remnant of those who haven't left town yet <laughs> to travel, but we filled in the gaps pretty nicely, so glad that we've got other family and visitors in uh, to be with us this morning to, um, to make this. Uh, it's, it's good when, when, when there's other people to gather with and to join in worship and, and fellowship, and so we're glad that you are here this morning to, to join us in this time of, of celebration and of continuing to, to look ahead to the coming of Jesus. And so in the Advent calendar today is, as, as Pam said, the, the morning and, and the day of peace. Uh, but we're going to be talking more about treasure today. So treasure is really where we are going to be. Uh, Advent is a season in which we, we look forward to and await the coming King. And this season of Advent, Advent in particular is now drawing to its expected culmination as we look ahead to the fast approaching arrival of, of Christmas morning when this kind of season of, of waiting and, and expecting is, is realized in the coming King. And so on Sunday mornings during this Advent season, we have followed the Magi in Matthew 2 in their search for a King. And when we left them last Sunday, they had followed the star to, to the house where Jesus was. And, and when the star stopped, Matthew tells us that they were overjoyed. Their search has ended. And so today we're going to begin by looking at what happens next. What happens when their search ends? How do they respond? It's one thing to search for something, but it's another thing to, to, to realize that search and to come to the end of that and then say, okay, so what do I do now? What does life look like now that this search has ended and I have found what it is that I'm looking for? What is my response to that? And so that's where we're going to pick up this morning. If you want to turn with us, uh, we're going to be in Matthew 2. All the verses that we're going to read this morning are going to be on the screen, so you can either follow along there if you want, uh, or if you want to turn with us, we'll pick up in Matthew 2. And uh, I'm just going to read Matthew 2, verses 10 and 11 for us right now. So again, the, the Magi have followed the star. It's, it stopped here over this house. And then Matthew 2, 10 and 11 says, When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so we have here the, the Magi, the wise men as we commonly know them. In just these two verses, they twice see something and then respond to it. They see the star and they're overjoyed. They see Mary and Jesus and they respond by bowing down and worshiping with reverence and worship. And in their honor and worship to this baby, which just taken at face value has to be an odd scene, right? We just kind of accept it. But imagine walking in and then just automatically worshiping a baby. <laughs> uh, for some who are particularly taken with babies, that may be, not be much of a stretch. But <laughs> um, it, it's, a, it's a little bit strange just to come in and just begin worshiping a baby. But that's what we have here. They, they come in, they worship this, this baby. And in their honor and worship to this newborn, they open 
their treasures to him. Uh, The specifics of the Magi's gifts have relevance to the story, and you may have heard or or seen or listened to to kind of thoughts on on the, uh, the symbolism or the meaning behind the different gifts that are given to Jesus. But I believe the relevance to us is is found perhaps even more simply in their willingness to open their treasures. At its core, the nativity scene is the first piece of a beautiful mosaic that will come to form the picture of a Savior who gave up heaven in order to take on flesh. And the call of the manger scene on our lives, the call that Jesus himself places on our lives later on in his ministry is to live in similarly sacrificial ways, to give of ourselves, to consider others above ourselves, to be willing to open up our treasure. Uh, So one of uh, the the favorite gifts that I have ever received um, is this portable CD player. Uh, I can't remember the last time I listened to it, so much so that inside it, I looked this morning, is a No Doubt CD. That is not mine. That's Ashley's. (laughs) Um, Banner uses it now as a toy, basically. Uh, I don't remember the last time I listened to it. I probably could not get a dollar for this at a garage sale, uh, but I've held on to it. Uh, I've held on to it largely because of, of how I came about receiving it. Uh, I actually bought this, which doesn't begin how many gift stories begin, Um, but I bought it for myself when I was in high school, uh, back when that's the thing that you did, you were cool once you had a portable CD player, and so I I bought my CD player, Uh, naturally it's a Sony Walkman, which as a a teenager, very overly concerned with brands was what it had to be, and so I bought my Sony Walkman and, and had it for a few months before my parents um, bought some, I don't know, it was a piece of furniture or TV or something, I think from Sears. Um, so this story's really old. People still shopped at Sears when this story took place. Um, and Sears at the time had this special where if you bought, you know, this certain price of furniture or whatever, you got a free portable CD player with it. And so my dad didn't have a CD player yet, so he got this free portable CD player with their purchase. And his CD player was nicer than mine. <laughs> And so I hatched this plan that I told my mom about. I said, Mom, I'm going to ask Dad to switch me CD players because his is nicer than mine, and he doesn't care about all that stuff. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to ask him to switch. And my mom said, no, Warren, don't ask him to switch. I was like, why not? His is nicer. (laughs) And she said, because he always gives you boys the nicer stuff, me and my brother. He said, he always lets you all have the nicer stuff. Let Dad have the nicer thing this time. And so I was like, all right, she's right fine, I won't ask. Then my selfish teenage brain kicked in, and I thought, you know what, she's right. (laughs) And so I bet I wouldn't even have to ask. (laughs) If I just talk up the new CD player and talk about how great it is, I bet he'll offer to switch. (laughs) And so sure enough, that's what I did. I talked about how great his CD player was and how measly mine looked in comparison. And he said, well, I don't care about it that much. Do you want to switch? (laughs) Oh, I hadn't even considered... (laughs) such a possibility, but I guess, you know, if you, I will allow you to bless me in that way if that's, if that's really what you want. So he switched with me, 
I took my CD player to work, which I found out this week when I told my parents of this story again. Um, my mom was very upset with all of these happenings, because <laughs> she knew. Uh, I took my CD player to work a few weeks later. I worked at a golf course, and I left my CD player, my new nice CD player, in the little uh, cubby thing of the golf cart uh, or at the golf course where I worked. Went back later to look for it, and it, of course, was gone. This new, nice, brand new, bells and whistles, portable CD player, now gone. Uh, at which point, my dad found out about it, and instead of getting angry, gave me back the cheap one without any bells and whistles. Um, this is a cheap CD player that I couldn't get a dollar for. But for me, it is emblematic of, of my dad and really both of my parents' um, everlasting willingness to open up their treasures to me and my brother. It is, it is a picture of, of their love uh, and of their willingness to give of whatever they have in order to bless us and make our lives better. Uh, and so I've held on to this CD player that I never listen to anymore because of that. Uh, treasure doesn't have to look like gold or frankincense or myrrh. Uh, treasure may very well look like an old beat-up portable CD player. And, and so the question before those who are coming to bow down before Jesus today isn't about the specifics of what treasures we have to offer. Instead, it's a question of whether or not you are willing to open your treasures for the sake of others. Regardless of what the treasure is, we honor Christ when we open up our treasures. And treasure, in this sense, is anything that, that we have stored up, anything that we have in excess, anything that we have the ability to use for whatever purpose we deem good or necessary. And so opening our treasure involves making a choice to share with others in a spirit of love and mercy what we could very rightfully keep for ourselves. Opening our our treasure may look like an investment of time in a cause or a person, Or maybe it's the use of a position or privilege for the benefit of others. It may be using resources to be a blessing to others uh, or to organizations uh, or to people in need or whatever it may be. Or it may simply be devoting energy into a relationship. Christmas is a reminder of our Christian calling to be generous, to look out for the needs of others, to live with humility And resist qualities like greed and pride and arrogance that run counter to the ways of Christ. And and this scene of Jesus nestled in a lowly house in Bethlehem, being worshipped by men of great wisdom and resources, provides a beautiful picture of this humility. Uh, Not only the humility of of Christ who came and took on flesh and became a servant, but also the humility of the Magi who are men of of stature and resources who are willing to come and bow down before a baby. It's this juxtaposition uh, on on all sides that, that doesn't make sense in many ways, that may even be confusing to a world that isn't used to this type of display of of power and majesty, uh, but that reminds us of what the Christmas season is about. 
Uh, so I've mentioned in this series that, that Luke and Matthew's accounts of the birth narrative are, are very different. And they both happen to mention something about treasure in each of their accounts, but even in their mentions of, of treasure, there's a different context to each reference. And so it is, it is in this context of the Magi opening up their treasure for Jesus that Matthew talks about treasure. But in Luke, uh, Luke writes something different regarding treasure and treasure as it relates to Mary. In Luke, the visitors to Jesus aren't men of stature from a faraway land. They are men of, of absolutely no prestige from a nearby field. They aren't initially even searching for anything when we first meet them, but they are instead compelled to action by this interruption of of heavenly hosts as they're out watching their sheep. The visitors in Luke, the shepherds as we know them, are told that they will find a child wrapped in cloth in a manger. And that's where their their much shorter search begins. So this is in Luke 2. These are verses 17 and 19. Uh, just as we looked at, at the Magi's uh, kind of introduction to Jesus as they come to see him. This is as the shepherds first come to see him. It says, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things, And pondered them in her heart. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Uh, We talked about this verse, this this scripture, and specifically this verse in our Wednesday night class and conversation for those of you who are here on Wednesday. Um, But I love this this imagery of, of everything happening around Mary. And, and here she is just, just gathering everything, trying to soak everything in, trying to be still in this moment. As we talked about Wednesday, you've got the shepherds who are running around, seemingly just kind of, they don't know what to do. This is crazy. They've had angels talking to them. Now they've seen this baby, and they're just running around. They're hurrying everywhere. They're talking to everyone. It says, but Mary treasured. She's trying to soak it all in. She, she's trying to make sure she doesn't miss anything. Because Mary, more than anyone... She may not know exactly what's to come, as we kind of sing in that song, Mary, Did You Know? Uh, she may not know exactly what's coming. Surely she doesn't. But she, more than anyone else, knows there's something different about this baby. Uh, because while they didn't have a robust kind of medical and scientific knowledge at this time, uh, they generally knew how they came to have babies. And Mary knew she shouldn't be pregnant yet. <laughs> And yet here she is having a baby. And so she's soaking all of this in. She's trying not to miss anything. Uh, I kind of have this picture of Mary in this story as the lady in this photo here that I think we have. I added this late. Uh, Some of you may have seen this photo before. This was a photo of of some big parade where you have everyone out with their cell phones and then this woman in the middle at the bottom just soaking it in. Um, I think we tend to treasure things up in our cell phones now. (laughs) Um, I love this picture of this woman just soaking it in, just wanting to be present in the moment. This is how I picture Mary on a much younger scale, uh, just soaking everything in, 
the shepherds are the ones running around taking selfies, right, and just videoing everything to, to soak it all in. And there's Mary, still and quiet, treasuring up all these things in her heart. Uh, when, when Isley started kindergarten, the, the first day of kindergarten, uh, if, if you know Isley well, you will probably not be surprised to know she was ready for kindergarten. She was ready to go. So much so that we got to her meet the teacher night. We walk into the room, put all her stuff down. You know, it's a couple of nights before school starts. And she then turns to me and Ashley and says, all right, mom and dad, see you later. And it's pushing us out the door because she thought she was staying there. Like she thought kindergarten was where she was going to stay, I guess. I don't know. But she was just ready. And we're like, no, we're coming back like in a couple of days. We're just meeting your teacher tonight. And so she was ready to go. So a couple mornings later, uh, we, we, we get back to the school on the day that she's actually supposed to, you know, stay for the day. We get back to the school, uh, and we go down to the hallway, you know, they, they have, you know, you bring her in, and, and so, you know, we kind of have these pictures of, you know, these crying kids and parents and all that, but, but it really wasn't like that. It was nice, not too, many, not, not too many tears, and so, but none from Isley. She, we get to the door, we show her her desk, she walks in, and she's ready to go. And so Ashley and I come back out into the hallway, and the door closes, and there's a window in the door. Uh, and it just so happened that Isley's desk was, was right in, in the line of sight from this window. And so I just stopped for a minute and, and wanted to watch. Uh, I wanted to see those, those first few little moments where she was on her own experiencing kindergarten for the first time. And so I was watching, and this, this other teacher is in the hallway there, and she could tell that I was watching. Uh, and, and she was an older lady who I'm, I'm sure had, had seen many kindergarten parents over the years drop off their kids. And she told me, she said, it's going to be okay. Um, and in the moment, all I could think of to say was, I know. Uh, because it was the truth that I knew she was going to be okay. And as I thought about it later and kind of reflected on it through the day, uh, I thought that was, I, I wanted to soak in that moment. I wanted to watch her in those moments because I had full confidence that she was going to be okay. I had full confidence that, that, that she was going to step into this moment with, with grace and with confidence. And, and as I wanted, to, I wanted to take in this moment of, of her kind of moving into this new phase of life, and, and, and I'm envisioning what's to come and, and the things that she's going to accomplish and the ways that she's going to do it with bravery um, and, and with honor and with love, and I just wanted to soak that in. And I, and I have that imagery that I carry with me of, of Isley walking into her first day of kindergarten and just doing it and being fully confident in who she was and doing it. And I wanted that to be something that I could treasure with me. Uh, because there are moments in life that we want to treasure up. There are people in life that we want to treasure up. And it's that kind of, of, of peeking into the window of Jesus' present, of Jesus' future, of, of, of everything that, that may happen in their lives that I see measure, Mary treasuring up in this moment, not wanting to miss anything knowing that there is something special about this child and that even though she probably has no idea what all is to come, uh, she wants to make sure that she doesn't miss any of it. So much so that in the very later on in this chapter, when Jesus is 12 and, and they leave Jesus at the temple and then they come back and find him, uh, again, everyone else is running around crazy because they're trying to find this kid. And then it says, but Mary treasured all these things in her heart. 
uh, this is the disposition of Mary as we go throughout. And, and I have to wonder then, as, as Mary is standing at the cross, um, perhaps it is that she's relying on these things that she has treasured in order to endure this, what had to be an incredibly painful scene for a mom watching her son get crucified, right? And maybe as she's waiting for those three days, waiting for Jesus' resurrection, maybe she is falling back on these things that she has treasured up in her heart over the years. And maybe it is those memories and, and those times of joy that she is recalling then, even as she sees him in his resurrected form. All of these, I have to believe, are things that help get Mary through the difficult times uh, and are things that are a constant source of encouragement and strength for her. And so in part, Christmas is indeed an opportunity to open our treasures to others. But Christmas is also an invitation to receive. It's a celebration of earth receiving her king, of a people receiving their Messiah, of God broadcasting good news that will bring great joy for all the people. To quote another preacher, Christmas is about making ourselves and others ready to receive a gift of divine presence. In receiving, we are challenged to be patient and to wait expectantly. In receiving, we are reminded that we ourselves are not the source of all the good things in our lives, but that we are, in fact, reliant on others. And so Jesus' arrival invites us to both open up our treasures and to treasure up. And we find this, this dichotomy, I think, on display even around many of our Christmas trees on Christmas morning. And it's part of the beauty, I think, of, of Christmas morning uh, in that we find it to be a time of both giving and receiving. In giving, we are able to show our love and concern for others. And in receiving, we are reminded of the ways in which we are loved and blessed by others. In giving, we embody selfless, selflessness. And in receiving, we witness grace. Christmas is a time to remember that we have received a great gift. And it's a time to remember our call to be people who give in return. It's a reminder that, that our lives are full of opportunities to both open up our treasures in order to bless others and full of opportunities to treasure up so that we may be encouraged and strengthened and edified in our own faith, uh, and, and spiritual journeys. And so my hope and prayer is that our Christmas celebrations this week may be full of, of laughter and life and fond memories, uh, memories of, of things that we have treasured up and new opportunities to treasure up uh, new and ongoing memories, that it may be, may be full of, of opportunities to give, to give gifts of uh, that will be wrapped under the tree and gifts of time and, and, and uh, involvement and investment with others around us. Uh, but may it also be a time that we remember Christ who came in the flesh and made his dwelling among us. This, this gift that we have of grace and love and mercy in the picture of Jesus coming in a manger um, and then eventually living a life of example, of ministry, of teaching before people in his time and before us through the pages of Scripture. 
and ultimately this picture of a Christ who gives his life for us and the ultimate giving of a gift uh, so that we have this hope of eternal life and, and redemption through him. And so each Sunday, uh, we come around the table, um, and as, as Paul says, we, we proclaim Christ's death until he comes in this communion meal, in this Eucharist that we partake of every Sunday. Uh, and so today, as we do so, I would invite us to, uh, to not only remember his death and his resurrection, but his birth, uh, because it is, it is his birth that sets all that in motion. It's his birth that leads to everything else. It's his birth that sets Jesus on this, this path that he faithfully walks uh, as he gives of, him, of himself, as others around him give, and as others around him treasure up uh, so that they can in turn uh, share with others as well. And so we're going to share in communion this morning, and, and uh, we're going to go straight into our prayer of confession this morning as we do so. And so uh, I would invite you uh, even just to, to remain sitting if you want this morning. We'll pray our prayer of confession um, together and then share in our communion meal this morning. And I pray that, that any encouragement that you need from Jesus today, you are able to find um, in this Christmas season, in this season of Advent. And maybe you are still searching for something in your own life. Maybe this season of, of waiting or looking ahead to something hasn't really come to fruition in your life. And if that's the case, uh, I, I hope and pray that this time around the table in communion uh, brings you a piece of peace, as we talked about in Advent this morning, uh, knowing that we are all continually searching, but we have this hope found in Jesus. So would you pray this prayer with me? I'll pray the parts uh, in white, and together we'll pray the parts in yellow, uh, and then we'll share in communion together. Father, we confess to each other and to you, our Creator, that we fall short of being what we were created to be and what we have committed ourselves to be. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of Christ. We often seek out the easiest paths, paths of least involvement in places where we might be uncomfortable, or paths of self-centeredness. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of righteousness. We confess that we have not loved you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Bring us out of darkness, Lord, and into the light of your love. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of light. Forgive us for getting so caught up in the world's trappings and its false messages of hope that we lose sight of the hope of the kingdom, which brings healing and peace to a world in turmoil. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of peace. May we resolve to become more kingdom-minded, to be peacemakers here and now. Amen.